0: I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the award-winning Gethsemane Brown Mysteries, published by Henry Press, and the host of the Cozy Corner podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every other week, I chat with an author who writes novels on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in the Cozy
1: Corner. Welcome.
0: Welcome. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and host of the podcast. Joining me in the Cozy Corner today is John Gaspard, author of the Eli Marks Mysteries, to chat about the sixth novel in the series, The Zombie Ball. Welcome, John.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Let's start by hearing about your Eli Marks series. Uh, Tell us something about Eli and about The Zombie Ball.
1: Sure. Um, There are six books in the series, um, and this is book number six. Uh, Eli Marks is a magician who lives and works in the Twin Cities uh, in Minnesota. He does corporate events and trade shows and that sort of thing, just a working, a -a workaday magician who on occasion gets put in situations where uh, there are murders that he uh, either solves or helps to solve. Uh, The sixth book is called The Zombie Ball, and it's sort of different in that although you don't need to read all six books in order, you can jump in anywhere that you want. There is a timeline from the first one through the fifth one uh, where characters grow and things change. It's all explained in each book, but you don't have to read them in order. However, the zombie ball was designed for someone who wants to jump into the series and kind of stay in order. And so it takes place before the first book. It's a flashback book in which Eli uh, recounts uh, uh, an event that took place at a a thing called the zombie ball and some murders. Uh, And it sort of sets up everything that's gonna come for the next five books.
0: And what made you decide to write a book that I guess you could call a prequel?
1: Yeah. Um, A couple of reasons. One uh, is is that about six months ago, I I, uh, got the rights back to the series. I've been working with a publisher on the first four books. And um, I got the rights back and was now able to actually market and promote them the way I wanted to, which I'd not been able to really do when you're working with a publisher. They kind of handle all that or they have very strict guidelines on how those things go, or they do want you to market and promote, but they don't give you the information you need uh, to see how the re- the results of your advertising. But now that they're online, I'm able to do that. And I wanted something that I could uh, offer uh, occasionally as a giveaway or as a free book, just to incite people to want to read the rest of the series. And the best way to do that was to do a book that took place before the, the timeline. But also um, there's been a lot of, uh, Things within the series that I that I wanted to kind of explain, uh, tell you why they happened the way they happened, or how the relationships got the way they got, uh, because we do sort of jump in in the very first book, uh, and that that structure allowed me to do back to go back about four or five years and explain why Eli's divorced, why he lives with his uncle who's a world class magician, um, why he. Uh, uh, has the relationship he has with his ex-wife and the relationship he now has with her new husband. And that's all been sort of set in the series but this gave me a chance to, to see what it was like before all that happened.
0: And what inspired you to choose a magician as your protagonist?
1: Well, as it turned out, I had a lot of friends who were magicians. I'm not a magician myself, but <clears throat> um, I know a lot of performers and within that subset, I know a lot of magicians. And they're very interesting people, they are uh, very good with puzzles, Um, they have a weird way of looking at things. Uh, And as I explored it more deeply, because I knew I wanted to do a series about a continuing series with a character, I realized that the the world of magic and the names of the tricks provide great titles for books and also kind of uh, uh, great springboards for each of the mysteries. Uh, The first book is called The Ambitious Card, which is a very popular card trick. Uh, the second book is called "The Bullet Catch," which is a very famous and sometimes deadly trick um, that is still done today. Penn and Teller do a very good version of it that is quite safe, but other people, I think about thirteen people, have died doing it. And then other tricks like the Miser's Dream or the Linking Rings or the Floating Light Bulb—they all just sound like good titles, uh, and so it seemed like a, a good character to latch onto.
0: Now, you use the term magician uh, in your books and in this conversation. I've also heard of entertainers who perform sleight of hand being referred to as illusionists. Is there a difference between the two?
1: There really isn't. Um, in, in the world of magic, someone who does illusions generally refers to someone who does larger scale magic, uh, something with a big box on stage or, or something that involves uh, a lot more gear. As a, uh, and that person, uh, that's an illusionist. Uh, and a magician can be an illusionist, or a magician can be a close-up artist, or um, a magician, in some cases, can be a mentalist. So it's just different subsets of it.
0: Okay. Now, The Zombie Ball opens with a vivid depiction of the -the behind-the-scenes world of a stage show. It tells about the prep work and the rehearsals, the controlled chaos of getting so many moving parts to come together. What kind of research did you do to make that side of the performing that most (coughs) people don't see come to life?
1: Well, I was in the meetings and events business for about 30 years. And so I've been backstage at all kinds of events, uh, big sales meetings, big product launches, big charity events. Uh, and so I'm pretty well versed in, in what it takes to, to get a show like that up and running. And the sorts of uh, personalities that can clash during what can be a very stressful time as you're trying to uh, pull off a live show that in many cases doesn't have any, any real sort of rehearsal. It's just you move into a hotel ballroom, you set up all your gear. If you're lucky, you can do a quick tech run through to make sure everything's happening and then all of a sudden the audience is there and you're doing your show. Uh, And I thought that was a a nice venue to put Eli in because I've worked with uh, a number of my friends who are magicians. i worked with them in corporate settings and I know what they're able to bring to that and the sorts of pressures that are on them to perform in that setting.
0: As you mentioned, you have several friends who are magicians, so I'm assuming that they helped you get some of the magic details in the series, right? But did you also take magic, magic lessons yourself?
1: I did. I, um, for the first book, which is called The Ambitious Card, um, that's a card trick where a card that uh, that uh, is selected by one of the audience members uh, is put back in the deck and keeps popping up to the top of the deck. It it recurs over and over and over. And in, in that book, that that card, that sign card, keeps ending up on different corpses in the book, which is why Eli is involved with it. So I thought I should learn how to at least do that trick. Uh, and so I found a local magician uh, who's actually nationally known here in Minneapolis, but she's been on Penn and Teller and she's done Magic Castle, her name's Suzanne. <clears throat> and uh, I had probably 10 lessons with her in which I learned not only how to do that trick, but also it gave me some really good background on sort of the day-to-day life of what does is, what is a magician do uh, to keep their business running. And did you learn
0: any other tricks?
1: Well, I, my plan was I was going to learn each trick, uh, that, that each title for each book, uh, but then the second book turned out to, to be the bullet catch, and I, I sort of abandoned that because it's <laughs> far too dangerous. Uh, and I'm not really a performer, so to keep learning tricks, I really had no venue in which to get better at it. So there is one card trick that I can do um, that I've done at book events, which is sort of fun because it ties into the ambitious card. And um, I've been very lucky because uh, I know a bunch of magicians. And and since starting this series uh, and learning with Suzanne, uh, she and I have started to produce a monthly magic show here in the Twin Cities. And so she's brought in a lot of her magic friends. And so I've been able to do that trick for some of the top magicians in the world who've been able to go, know, hey, hey, John, that's great, but why don't you do this? Or at this point, why don't you do that? So I'm getting really great lessons from some of the best people.
0: And I'm assuming there are no actual murders at your monthly magic shows.
1: Not yet. Oh, Hopefully not ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it, helps, if it helps getting people in the door. there
0: you
1: go uh speaking of magic tricks which one's your favorite which one is my favorite magic trick um hmm, that's a very hard question um i don't have a particularly favorite trick um i you know once you know how things are done you'd kind of tend to look at them slightly differently and what you find is that um there's two things going on in a magic trick. One is the actual illusion itself, whatever they're doing, it's fooling you as a viewer. But the other thing, which is more important is the way in which they're doing it, the personality they're bringing to it. And that's what I find interesting is um, it's, it's like the way of bands would cover a song and you go, well, I like that cover. I like the way they did that, but this other band covered it. and I didn't like it. And you'll find that with magicians where someone will have a, an approach uh, to a very simple trick. Um, and because of the personality they bring to it, that's what makes it more interesting. Because once you know how it's done, um, it can be less interesting unless the performer is bringing something special to it. And I've been really lucky in that I've gotten to know um, some of the, you know, they are well-known names in the magic community like Eugene Berger or Max Maven or John Carney. The average person doesn't know them, but in the magic world, you go, oh, wow, you you hung out with Max Maven? And, yeah, I spent a weekend with Max Maven. Um, and that's really fun. That's that's the best part is is watching people who are really really good at something showing um showing you their performance that is uh, unique and captivating i can't really name a particular trick but i can say i've I've been able to experience great magic from some of the the best magicians in the world
0: do you have a favorite magician or anyone in particular you'd recommend that people (laughs) rush out and buy tickets to see in in town um
1: well if 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 your listeners live in Los Angeles area, if you can get a ticket to the Magic Castle, you're gonna see great magicians there. Uh, If you live in Chicago, there's a place called the uh, Magic Lounge, which just opened up, which has a a continuing roster of of great magicians. Um, And if you you want to enjoy magic, one of the best ways to see it and enjoy it is watch Penn & Teller's show, Penn & Teller Fool Us, uh, because uh, they have the best magicians in the world. And they treat them very respectfully and they don't cut up their act. You get to see exactly what they're doing. Um, that's really one of the best ways to see magic is with Penn and Teller. In fact, um, uh, although I'm not a magician, I have sort of fooled Teller because on the show, they, a magician performs for the two of them and then they chat. And then Penn, who does all the talking, uh, explains in kind of code how the trick was done and, and they decide whether or not they were fooled or not. But I, um, uh, the fourth book in the series, Linking Rings, used a quote at the beginning from Teller. And I have a friend who's a friend of his, so I emailed the friend, and the email went to Teller saying, can I use this quote? And he emailed back and said, uh, by all means, go right ahead. And when the book was published, I sent it to uh, his office, was thinking nothing would ever happen with that. And a couple of weeks later, got an email from him that said, John, uh, it was uh, in just in the right mood for a detective story and picked up linking rings. And I thought the killer was X, but it turned out to be Y I really enjoyed the way you handled magic in the book. Teller. Uh, <laughs> I thought, wow, I, I, I fooled Teller, wow. which is and, kind of exciting.
0: <laughs> and speaking of uh, mystery, fooling a magician, uh, ha- uh, Hallie Efren wrote a guide to writing mysteries where she compared uh, crafting a successful mystery to uh, being a successful magician. Have you seen any parallels between uh, con- doing sleight of hand and convincing the audience that you really did magic uh, and c- Yes. C- it, um, there's,
1: um, th- there's a saying about magicians that they look, that the best magician looks like a duck floating in the water where you don't see anything happening at all. But if you saw under the water, you'd see that the, the, the feet are flapping like crazy. And the best magic, uh, is stuff you never see, and you have no idea that it happened. Uh, and and crafting a mystery is like that, where you you know you have to put in uh, all the clues and all the red herrings, and it does have to tie together. Um, and that that's tricky because you you know you want to show them enough that if they look back on it, they can go, oh yes, of course, that was the answer. Um, and you also don't want to show too much, so they don't jump ahead and and get ahead of you and like with magic it's a it's a very um subtle balance of how much do you show and how much do you how much do you hide um but i i did recently just get an email from someone who'd read the zombie ball and uh they commented on um they said you know when i got to the end i was surprised at uh who the killer was and then thought back and went oh yes every single clue was there uh i just didn't realize it was a clue at the time and and that means i pulled off pretty good magic trick doing it that way.
0: And, and what's next for your literary magician, Eli Marks?
1: Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm researching the, uh, the next book in the series, which will be book number seven, trying to figure out exactly uh, what's happening to Eli there. While I do that, I have a second series I'm working on called the Como Lake Players Mysteries. Uh, which I write under the uh, the pen name of Bobby Raymond. And there's the uh, first first book one of that is out, and we're doing the audiobook now. And I'm just finishing up the second book in that. And that takes place in a community theater in St. Paul. Uh and has nothing to do with magic, it just has to do with community theater, which I also have a background in.
0: Uh but again, uh, putting on a successful show involves not letting the audience see all of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes.
1: Exactly, and there's the same sorts of tension and pressures, and then yeah, you throw a murder in there, and all of a sudden it gets pretty interesting.
0: And you've also generously offered uh, my podcast listeners a free short story in either ebook or audio format. Can you tell us uh, what they'll be getting?
1: Yes, um, it's a short story called "The Invisible Assistant," and it is just a a, a quick case that Eli got involved with uh, with his ex-wife who is an assistant DA in Minneapolis, and her husband is a homicide detective. And they come to Eli with uh, a puzzle where they found two bodies and it appears to be a a murder-suicide. But uh, once you hear the facts in the case, you realize that there's there's no way that that person would have ever killed someone or killed themselves. And uh, he has to go into this locked room and figure out how it happened
0: and listeners will be able to find the links to those in the show notes for this episode.
1: Yes, they, uh, the, I, I, I um, steer them toward the audiobook only because it's, it's fairly short, and then they get to hear my narrator, Jim Cunningham, who's a, a, a local talent here in the Twin Cities who's narrated all the books and who does such a terrific job that I really think uh, I prefer listening to them than to reading them. I think he just brings it so much alive.
0: And where can readers find your books?
1: They are available on Amazon.com in Kindle or paperback or hardcover or audiobook. And where can they find more about you? Uh, they can go to the John Gaspard uh author page on Facebook or they can go to elimarksmysteries.com. That's E-L-I-Mysteries.com. Uh, EliMarks Mysteries. Uh, Marks is M-A-R-K-S. Uh, or just hang out the Facebook page. That works, too.
0: And if they happen to be in the, uh, the Minneapolis area, where can they yeah. uh, get a ticket to your magic show?
1: Um, they, uh, While they're on Facebook, just go to Sunday Night Magic, uh, which is our Facebook page for that. We do between six and nine shows a year. We do them at a, a local theater that is kind enough to give us uh, their stage and their auditorium on the occasional Sunday night. Uh we haven't laid out this year's schedule yet, but I think there'll be three shows this spring and three shows in the fall. Uh, oh I'm sorry. That's, that's Sunday Night Magic on Facebook. Okay.
0: All right. Well thank you very much for joining me in the cozy corner today, John.
1: It's been fun. Thank you.
0: This has been your host, Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries. Thank you, listeners, for joining my guest, John Caspard, author of the Eli Marks Mysteries, and me in the Cozy Corner today. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Cozy Corner podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and the host of the podcast. Tune in next time as I chat with another author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye.